following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Anyway, should we do this thing? Yes, why not? Cool. Well, a very good evening and a very good welcome to everybody who happens to be listening to this podcast. If you are, we love you. Um, this is Sunday Afternoon Cinema with me, Christopher Winter, and with him, Mike Larkin. Very good evening to you, Mike. Good evening to you, Chris. So, tonight, I would love to say it's going to be a little bit different, because we're going to do a sort of an off-the-wall, there's no script, we're just going to free free roam, see what we come up with, see how it comes out, and if we even want to release the damn thing. And basically, I had an idea, and I'm not even sure where this came from, but I had an idea the other day uh, about doing a podcast about the film rating systems that we have on um, either side of the pond, and indeed the um, ratings that websites have. See how they're kind of interlinked. The ratings of films mainly comes from a message that I received from my colleague, from my friend Sam the other day, the other day, basically saying. Do you, you know, do you pay any attention to critics' opinions on places like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes? You know, do critics have anything to say, or are they just up their own arse and saying whatever they want because they feel they can? I said a lot of critics probably are up their own asses. Let's face it, they probably wouldn't get into it if they weren't. I think it's fair to say that you and I are a little bit up our own asses. You know, it's just a bit. You know, it, it's why we do this. We like spouting off our opinions, and we don't care. Well, let's face it. If we did, if we didn't enjoy the sound of our own voices, we wouldn't be doing this. This is true. This is true. Um, so, which do you want to tackle first? Do you want to tackle the whole film critic business, or do you want to tackle the whole well, rating I mean, business? I mean, certainly we can. Uh, we can critic the critics. Yes, we can review the reviewers. <laughs> And criticise the criticisers. Uh, yeah, and this is, is going to be hypocritical as fuck. I realise this because obviously <laughs> we're we're basically shooting ourselves in our own feet. Well, we um, are to an extent, but the thing is, you know, we often say we don't consider ourselves to be professional professional critics. No, we we're not in any way. You know, we we just talk about the films that we happen to enjoy. Um, we we don't ever say that we are correct in our opinions, and I think if anything, I think we we have often said, you know, if you don't agree, that's completely fine. Yeah, let us know. These are purely and simple our opinions. I think actually, I don't think I've ever said that. I should really send an email. I'll do that. I'll do that at some point. So when did you? As I say, it's going to be completely off-the-wall conversation, say whatever you want. You know, if, if we go 10 minutes, we go 10 minutes. If we go three hours, we go three hours. Whatever. You know, we can do this however we want. Okay, so how much attention do you pay to critics overall? Uh, me? Absolutely fuck all. Right. If a film grabs my attention, that's it. I'll watch it. Have you um, really listened to critics in the past to, to get their opinions or what, what they've got to say for themselves? I mean, certainly, I, I can't say I've never listened to a critic. Um, for me, I think I think the three big ones, certainly growing up, you had um, Barry Norman. Yep. Um, Kim Newman. 
Indeed, can, yes. Is he still going? He's still going. He um, and then, obviously, in later days, like sort of Marco Mode, who, for me, for my money, is is one of the top film critics out there. Just purely because he's a bit like us, he doesn't really take himself too seriously. He realizes this is all a bit of a lark, and he's getting paid incredibly well to do a job all of us would love to do. Absolutely, I. I think years ago, I wanted to do what Mark Kermode does. In fact, even my dad said, why don't you do what he does? You know, he even said, you know, have you considered taking this up as a career? And I said, yeah. I'd love to, but the truth is, I don't know where to start. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily a career. Rather like um, a lot of game, a lot of people on YouTube, that unless you have a niche and unless you're very lucky, you're probably ever going to make any money out of. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing you you're never going to walk into a job centre and see advertised wanted film critic. Uh, you so, know, simply yes. It just doesn't. It's not the kind of thing that happens. I think it's the kind of career you kind of almost come across by accident. I think it is probably. You yeah, know? I think that is the case. I mean, I, okay. So basically, really, I think the, when I first started paying attention to film critics in general, um, was when I was about sixteen, seventeen. I left school after doing a year um, in sixth form, and went to art college back in Carlisle in Cumbria with the idea of wanting to become a director and wanting to become a filmmaker. So I started buying Total Film every month. I started buying Empire every month. Um, I started listening to Mark Code and his opinions because I was that in-depth with wanting to try and get into the film industry, including reading an article of what happens if you go over to the Cannes Film Festival and how you basically survive it because I had these grand ideas of going there and obviously it was all hogwash. It never happens. It's probably never going to. And from what I can gather, going to Cannes is actually an incredibly horrible experience and you wouldn't want to do it anyway. Yeah, um, apparently because you're under constant scrutiny. Um, and also and you just literally in Cannes, you know, in Cannes, I think the old adage, everyone's a critic. It's probably more true of can than anywhere else in the world. Literally everyone there is a critic. So what do you think of places like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes? And how often do you tend to use them as a resource? And what reason do you use them as a resource? I use them as a resource purely to look up the fun little facts about the films. Um, I, use, I, am, I use IMDb quite a lot to look up just the little trivia bits, you know, the, the, little, the little facts that you, you, you might not pick up otherwise. Rotten Tomatoes, I've never used until quite recently when you mentioned it in one of our other shows, and I thought I'd give it a go. And Rotten Tomatoes, it, 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 lo it looks amateur. It looks amateur, even though that's the one with the professional critics. Apparently so. Apparently, I mean, again, Kim Newman is one of the critics, uh, one of the professional critics who, uh, who write, who writes his reviews on there. But it looks like it's being together, being put together by a, a ten-year-old with ADHD. I mean, I remember first discovering um, IMDb back in two thousand and one. It was actually one of the first websites I ever went onto, internet-wise. 
And it was amazing. Yeah. It was such a resource to find this thing. Like, my God, any film I could possibly think of, I can find out on this on this. Um, and it's great because you can go on, say, a, an actor's or a director's page and go, wait, what have I seen him in? You know, if you if you watch if you watch the film, you go, I recognise that guy or that woman. Where do I know them from? IMDb brings it straight up, and you go, Ah, that's what they were in. Rather and like then you can, sorry. Then I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find most of my films to watch through that, but through going, Oh, they were in such and such. I've not seen that, but I've, you know, but I've wanted to. Yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely use it use it for that reason. Um, it, it's kind of like Wikipedia. You know, when you go onto Wikipedia and you start looking up the Second World War, and then five hours later you're looking about kittens. It, it's it's yeah. very much an easy website to go down the rabbit hole. You'll go on <laughs> to find out one thing about one film, and then twelve hours later you're still on it, looking at something completely different and thinking, "How the hell did I even get here?" You know, yeah, it's a good website because of that. But one thing that has shut down recently, um, which was going for as long as I remember, um, IMDb, was the forums. Yeah. It, did you ever use them? I I might have done years ago, but uh, not anymore. You remember that line from um, I think it was Star Wars Episode Four. Where he says, um, I can't remember what the town's called. Most likely that was Most it. Most likely, it's a, you'll never see a more wretched, wretched hive of scum and villainy. He wasn't describing Most likely. He was no, describing, describing the, He was describing the IMDb forums. <laughs> if you and wanted, If you wanted to have an actual discussion, an actual intellectual grown-up discussion about films don't do it on MTV forums because all it was was a load of people with fair enough valid opinions but basically just disregarding any opinion that anyone else could possibly have getting angry shouting swearing using racial abuse it was just horrible a lot of the time you can't have your own you must have come to mind as soon as you start talking about the IMDB forums it's just a group of monkeys in a cage flinging poo at each other very much so I mean you know to an extent the IMDB forums were somewhat helpful I, I used I used them a lot over the years the problem was that for the 10% that it was vaguely useful and the 10% of an actual conversation, there was the 90% of people who wouldn't let you have an actual discussion and would just argue with you until you were blue in the face and you wanted to leave. And it was, yeah. it was just in a very uncomfortable environment. And honestly, I'm amazed they lasted as long as they did. Forums are a dying market, sadly. And I... I don't... I mean, it was very clicky on there as well. You had kind of groups of people that would uh, occasionally fight with each other, but as soon as an outsider came in, that was it. You know, they'd all kind of team together. 
I never personally got into that many arguments or that many problems on IMDb simply because I avoided it. I just didn't want to know. Um, you know, I, I would purposely avoid certain um, certain posts. I mean, one one of the one of the good things about IMDb forums, to give it its credit, um, was when they people would do the um, I learned this from this film. So it would be like um, 10 things I learned from watching Sharknado or something along those lines. Nobody's, nobody's ever written that. Come oh, on. they have. Believe me, that was there. <laughs> and it was just absurd rules to live by based on things that you've learned from that. Um, I'm just trying to think of a of another film. like um, te- Things I learned from Saw, for I just, example. I, I just stay away from fucking tornadoes filled with sharks. But some of them were really funny, and it's kind of sad that they've gone away. Um, I, I specifically remember one um, for Clue, and, it, and the best ones were the comedy ones, like Clue, um, like the Naked Gun series. They were just brilliant, and for that, I'll kind of give the IMDb forums a little bit of credit there. Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's less of like IMDb, you know, a, a factual website, and more of a Metacritic, metacritic database than anything else. Yeah, it's it's, it's basically just an ag- aggregate aggregation website where they, they club together the scores, and that basically seems to be the only function of the website. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it gives you a big overview of who's in the movie, who directed it, things like that. And it gives... And I've actually, I've actually gone on and done some comparisons here. Yeah. Between between IMDB and between Rotten Tomatoes. And I've I've actually got a few films here that I thought bit of a broad you know bit of a broad spectrum, but also films that are kind of similarly related and see how they stack up yeah. against each other. Now the first one I decided to look for was Judge Dredd mm. with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Yeah. Now on IMDb, bear in mind IMDb's ratings are all audience-driven. Yes. There are no there are no professional critics on there. They gave they scored it as five and a half out of ten. Okay. Which is I think that's a fair score. It's yeah. not amazing. It's not terrible. It's just yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have scored it at eighteen percent. And the audience at thirty percent, which I think I think that's a massive difference. The thing I think the thing with um, with the rating system is basic, and the the reason why I don't actually tend to pay an awful lot of attention um, to the it, it's subjective. Well, it is. It is subjective. It's also incorrect, and the reason I say that is because of the way that they have it set up, in that. It's natural. If someone goes, and I, I've done it myself. Um, I, I use a, um, I use an application um, on my phone called Letterboxd, and the idea is you can look up any films you've seen and then say, yeah, I've watched that, and you can rate it. I don't personally bother rating them on the application. I simply have it there so I can keep track of all the films I've seen. Um, because yeah. when me and Derek come to the 2017 um, wind-up, I am not going to remember all the films I've seen this year. But anyway, but 
the problem with IMDb so is... So it's, it's there as your... It's, it's your personal scorecard as opposed to yeah, anything it, else. it is. The problem is, is that you've got people who either love or hate a film, and they will say they either love or hate it. No one ever goes on to something to talk about it if they thought, well... It wasn't but, terrible, but it wasn't because who cares? Well, this is it. Nobody ever, nobody ever does it objectively, uh, and it's it's either they love it or hate it. It's it's why they changed the um, the rating system in YouTube all those years ago. I yeah, mean, I, I don't. You you probably do remember this, Mike, because you know we we are about that same age, um, internet wise. But for those who don't, before the thumb up and the thumb down system came in, they. There used to be a star rating um, of one to five, and again, it was the same problem, and this is why they changed it. People either thoroughly disliked the a video on YouTube, or they really enjoyed it. And you can, and for creators, you could never tell the difference. Yeah, and it's it's the same on Netflix, which although that's being changed as well, uh, they're going from a star system to an up to a like it or dislike it system, but. One thing I have heard about the uh, about the system on Netflix, which is somewhat flawed, was um, Friends, when we could watch it entirely legally on Netflix, and I'm not going to show, you know, we did it, but anyway. Um, and people were giving it, like, one stars, one and a half stars out of five. And some critics on a um, movie podcast I listened to were saying, I can't understand this. Why do they hate this program so much? And apparently the reason why a lot of people were saying they dislike it was because they were either editing the show a little bit to how it was previously, or they were editing the, they were editing the music. So they weren't right. criticising the content, they were criticising the way it was being presented. Yeah. So again, that's not really a true reflection of what you're actually using as a, as a, as a, as a, critiquing, as a critiquing system. Yeah, that's, that's not really criticising the content, that's criticising the presentation. Yeah, it's... It, it, yeah. like, like, you know, it's, it's like somebody saying, oh, you know, that was a really great birthday present you bought me, but the box was shit. Oh, the wrapping paper, and there was no bow, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, how amateurish. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it's an unfair comparison in that way, because, you know, something can be... You know, hundred percent tips off, and just because something slightly changed from the way you remember it, yeah, you know, you you then go to vote it down, or or give it a bad a bad rating. Yeah, I mean, when when I try to do um, the reviews I do with uh, with Derek, I will occasionally write down my instant opinion as soon as I've seen the film. I'll, I'll usually come home and write it off. Um, and try and formulate try and formulate an opinion there and then because I don't want to forget what I thought about it, and also to just get a genuinely honest opinion about what I've seen. I used to listen to Mark Commode on almost a weekly basis, and I would listen to his reviews multiple times and times again. But I'm starting to find that I'm actually disliking Mark Commode's reviews, and I don't know what it is, but it almost just feels like he's missing the point. I, I, you know, on certain films, I listened to his review of um, Alien Covenant, or Covenant, or however you pronounce it, um, and honestly, I thought he was just completely off the mark. I thought, you, you've not understood this, Mark. I, I respect you, 
and I appreciate what you're saying, but I think you are completely off the mark on this. That's not to say he's a bad critic or that he's a bad reviewer. It just means I think he's wrong and I'm right. Basically, that's what it yeah. Opinion to. opinions differ. Indeed. I mean, I mean, in a way, that's that's both the good and the bad thing about 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 this kind of thing is that opinions will differ. I can see a movie that I absolutely love. I we we've done this before with the uh, the Blues Brothers. Yes. Races, by the way, seven point nine out of ten on IMDb. From the critics, eighty-five, and from the audience, ninety-two percent. That's not bad. That's pretty. That's a pretty good score, really. Exactly, it is. But that's a film I adore. I've always, I've always loved that. That's my favourite film. But it's not a film you enjoyed. But we, can, we can no. have that difference of opinion, and it's fine. Yeah. We yeah. don't. We're not going to fall out over it. We're not going to argue or you know shouts at each other because you know, one of us enjoys the film and the other doesn't. But too many people out there will. Yeah. It is far too possible people will fall out because of an opinion. And that's just... And you've got to wonder if they do fall out over that, were they really that good friends to begin with? If you well, get exactly. that upset about an opinion, were you really that close to begin with, to be fair? Exactly. I mean, as I say, this is—it's all subjective. You know, uh, what, if, for instance, I—I I was to say I like caviar. That's—that's that's my personal opinion, personal taste. You may not like caviar. That's your personal opinion, your personal taste. Does it mean that we can't—we can't go for a beer together? Indeed. Of course not. No. And you know, I look at movies, music, any, any, any mass, mass form of entertainment. I look at it exactly the same. My tastes aren't the same as everyone else's. I accept that. I've got no problem with it. If you've got a problem with it, by all means, come and tell me. But don't get, you know, don't get aggressive about it because it's entertainment. That's, that's all it is. So. I mean, obviously, I, I was doing this for about six months before we started talking. We started even talking about doing this thing. Um, you and I have, you know, for for, for people who don't know me, Mike, uh, we have been friends what for ten I years. Say, I would say at least eight, nine years, definitely, hasn't it? I would say one way or the other. Well, I joined. I was. I was looking before. I joined Facebook ten years ago today. Oh God! I, I my my ten year anniversary was a few weeks ago myself. Um, and I I was working. We we were working together after. Well, we were working in the same building. Don't we were necessarily working together, but we were in the same place at the same time. Yeah. When I yeah. joined, so it is. It is about nine, ten years. Give us. Give us take a month or two. That is scary. That is fucking is. scary, man. Ten <laughs> years. Christ. Yeah. Jesus, fuck. But anyway, yeah, let's not talk about that just now because that makes me really feel fucking old. But anyway, so anyway, you and I met and I think I seem to... And, and the thing is, I seem to remember there was an afternoon um, when you, me... Uh, one of our friends, Wayne, and another friend of yours, 
were sat in a pub just talking, and I think you and me were basically having a quote off. We were just <laughs> feeding each other lines and guessing the film, and then like you say one thing, I guess it, I say one thing, you guess it, and. I think this went on for about half an hour to the point where the people we were with just wanted us to shut up. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who, who else we were there with. Um, I don't know. Or possibly it was just me, you and Wayne. I think, I think was that in the, um, the Brookhouse? Uh, no, it was in our favourite Irish bar, but our favourite Irish um, barmaid was, was just... not serving us that evening. Ah, yeah, I mean, quite possibly, and it it was poss- possibly Elizabeth, to be honest, that was with us. I think it might have been, I can't really remember, to be honest with you, you know what my mate was right. like, I'm amazed that I remember that Wayne was there, to be honest with you, but there we are. Um, but yeah, so, what made you want to do this with me? Because obviously we've always, we've talked about films a lot over the years, you know, I, I don't think we've had a meeting where we haven't talked about films at some stage in the evenings. So. It's it's all it's always happened, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, for me, I I enjoyed talking to you obviously. Um because we're still here ten years later doing it. Ditto. Um and at the t- at the time, if I if I remember correctly when you when you first asked me about it, I was having ideas myself about doing some kind of podcast. Mm. Um which I I, I talked to you briefly briefly about back, back Back when I was thinking about it, uh, one of them was called Middle Ages and Mad. Oh, was that the one we wanted to do a ranty podcast? Yeah, well, yeah. it wasn't. wasn't It was more of a comedic rant, more of a, you know, a kind of mock the week type of thing. Yeah. But um, but it, I was I was looking at getting into podcasting and and getting into into this kind of quasi intellectual debate type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you, you came up with the idea, I do a movie podcast. Would you like to come, jump on and do um, Office Space with me? That's right. And yeah, I think it was Office Space that started it, it all, wasn't Office, it? Office Space was our first one, the one that broke my cherry. And <laughs> um, uh, I thought, actually, this sounds like it could be a lot of fun for both of us. Because we both enjoy talking about movies, and I know that we can we can kind of enjoy. So even if we don't enjoy the same film, we can certainly enjoy talking about it and having a laugh, bouncing off each other. Um, so that so that was what drew me in. Really, it was just a chance to talk shite about movies and have a bit of a giggle. I mean, I, I still want to continue with the idea of what we're doing at the moment, um, you know, doing a film that we particularly want, that we both particularly love, and then continuing with the um, Viewer Skew universe, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're about two films ba- into that. Bouncing, yeah, bouncing backwards and forwards. Uh, we're going to be doing Chasing Amy next, and after we've completed, you know, once we've got all the way to close to... Um, I really want to start that again. I, I want to do it for another series of films. Um, you know, well, so... hopefully by then, by the time we've actually finished doing the Viewers Universe, we'll have another entry because we, Kevin Smith <laughs> is making Clerks 3. Is he actually doing it? And he is also... Let me just go on to his IMDb page. Has he confirmed page. he's doing it? Because uh, I've, heard uh, he, I've heard he said he's not doing it. Well, we know, we know for a fact he's doing more Brats. 
which really likes the cast. I mean, as I said in a previous podcast, frankly, Kevin Smith has turned talking shit into a living. Um, you know, in, in all honesty. As, well, as much as I love him, he's, you know... As well as that, he'll hopefully have finished his... what he calls his True North trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which... I don't know if you've had a chance to watch them yet, but... I still haven't watched um, the one with Jason Susk- Wong all the way through yet. I will, I promise you, I will give it a go. I've just not got around uh, to it. Now, he's got... That's that's as a producer, so let me go on to director. We've got announced... Sam and Switch, which is a TV series. Hell in a Handbag... That's Helena the name, by the way, not Hell in A. <laughs> um, Hollyweed, more brats, Kilroy was here, and James Sound Bob reboot. I would like to see another James Sound Bob film. I would, um, very much so. And let me just have a look at what he's got down as an actor. He's got the James Sound Bob reboot, Method in the Madness. Announced for the next year. More brats as Sound Bob. Uh, Hollyweed, which is a TV movie. And again, Moose Jaws as Sound Bob. Um, so, yeah, hopefully by then we'll, we'll have the, the final part of the True North trilogy. Uh, start off with Tusk. Continue back with Yoga Hoses. And finish them with Moose Jaws. I mean, I think that's the most important thing to say here about us is that we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, when, when, we, when I, we discuss films... I don't think... Sorry, carry on. Sorry. I don't think anyone takes us seriously. I, <laughs> I don't think anyone takes us seriously. Probably I know, not. I, I know I've never taken myself seriously. I think it's a, it's a hazardous thing to do. I mean, with all due respect to you... And indeed, to Derek, you know, we do very different podcasts. To be fair, the the podcasts that I um, that I produce with Derek are incredibly different to what we do here. Um, for a start, these are much more sweary, and we, me and Derek, talk about more up to date films. You're 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 so don't criticise Michael Bay enough. We don't. Well, we've got no need to because we're not talking about his films. But did you ever listen to any of the podcasts that I've done previously? before coming on to do this with me or did you just think fuck it let's just do this thing and see what happens I, I, I just thought fuck it jumped in at the deep end um, thought, I thought you know I'll just jump in see how it goes um, and not I didn't want I didn't want to let previous content kind of you know dictate or influence me in any, any way so I thought, you know, we'll just go in and just see how we get on. Yeah. No, and, and to be honest with uh, you, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to do. I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to take it. Okay, so what about what about film magazines? Did you, as I said, I, I previously grew up um, getting Total Film on a on a monthly basis. Um, when I first started going to college with the idea of wanting to become a filmmaker, um, I believe my mum actually got me um, for Christmas for a couple of years in a row, actually, um, a subscription to Total Film so that I wouldn't have to buy it on a monthly basis. And 
I was so proud of my collection. I really did. Um, you know, I, I kept it on my bookshelves. It, it, it was all in order. I knew exactly where everything was. You know, I was. I have quite, to admit I here, I'm, that way. I've, I've always been more of an empire man. Uh, yeah. I don't know where this I, comes from. I don't from, know why. I've, I've always felt that Total Film was the connoisseur film review, whereas Empire was more the blockbuster. It's more, it's more like nuts. Yes, it is. It's a lot nice. That's basically it's what it is. It is, yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> bear in mind that I'm a few Empire. years older. I'm a few years older than you, so I grew up as part of that lad mag generation. Unfortunately, hey, I remember FHM and Maxim. Yeah, but you weren't really old enough to to buy them. No, that's very true. If that's you know what I mean. Um, whereas you know they were coming out when I was seventeen, eighteen. Mm. So I was kind of right at the forefront of that. Um, to be honest with you, though, I never so, remember being that interested in buying them to begin with. To be in all honesty. I just felt lucky buying them, and I never, I never got the content, the appeal of the content. But you know, I mean, at the, at the time, bear in mind, I, I was working and often working nights. Um, so it, it was basically bought as something to read when I was on night shift. No, that's that's completely fair enough, and that's completely understandable. But what did you think of the reviews that you were reading with, uh, within, I, within Empire, and did? you pay much attention to them did they influence the films that you watched or in it in any way or did they influence the films that you enjoyed in any way i mainly use total film to be fair as a point of reference to see what films are coming up especially foreign films you know, i think i think I, I, think I do i do the same i i look more at the the common features than i do the actual dvd reviews or anything like that yeah um because for me, if if a film interests me, I'm going to watch it regardless of what a critic says. I'm I'm the same. Um, in all I, think, I think anyone anyone with an interest in movies in any kind of way is going to do the same. I think. Because um, at at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's it's like watching the weather on TV. You can watch the weather, but unless you actually go outside and experience it for yourself, you're never going to know. Very true. That's that's a fair comparison. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but if anything, and you know, I think you've experienced this. I think I think you may have seen this as well. Is and I think you're I think you're kind of similar actually in a way, which is possibly why we get on so well as we do. Is I think I tend to be a bit contrary when it comes to films. I'm not as bad now. I used to be really bad at this. But there used to be a part of me that if a film was popular, I would instantly hate it. Oh, I don't want to be part of the crowd. I don't want to be following what these people think is yeah, good. That's all crap. Leave me to watch my French New Art, French New Wave films. That You can't watch them unless you're willing to put it with subtitles. And they're 20 hours long, black and white. And at one point, there's a bloke walking down the middle of a field with a rose. And, 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 and a tear comes down it, his, it, it, his and eye. And someone smoking a gore and looking at oh, and he level distance. Be wearing, and he better be wearing a top hat. If he's not wearing a top hat, I don't want to know. 
He's not wearing a top hat, it's not a French film. Exactly. But, I mean, I'm not that anymore, and I think you would probably agree that I possibly was that way inclined a few years ago. Certainly at one point, you I mean, especially if you, 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 um, you, you still are a big fan of J-horror, but um, at, one, at one point it was kind of getting, uh, Chris, you know, we know you. We know. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've never really been like that. I, I, I don't think. I'll, I'll go and watch the popular movies just to see why they're popular, really. <laughs> Um, to see what the, see what the fuss is about. I'll go and watch some purely for enjoyment as well. Don't, don't get me wrong, there are some really enjoyable mainstream movies, but I also I also like the, the little weird oddities. I don't know if you remember a DVD I had, and I think I lent it to you actually. Um, it was a little Mexican horror film called WrestleManiac. I remember that. I don't remember borrowing it, and if I have, then I've got no idea what I did with it. So if I did borrow, I'll buy you another copy of Amazon. But I remember you mentioning it with because it had Rey Mysterio in it, and that's what I saw when I saw the DVD come out. Was Rey Mysterio? <laughs> and I thought, oh wow, Rey Mysterio's made a movie, not realizing it was actually Rey Mysterio Senior. Ah, right. Okay. Um, who is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot bigger. I know nothing about Rey Mysterio Senior, and I very I know very little about Rey Mysterio Junior. To be perfectly honest with you. Well, you you obviously seen Rey Mysterio Junior in uh, in WWE. Uh, yes, yes, and to be fair, he was he was very impressive. You know. Um, yeah. Well, I, that's why I thought when I saw this movie, I thought, oh, Rey Mysterio bought it, and then realised, hang on, this 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 dude's in his in his sixties. <laughs> but still, still a very enjoyable little film for what it was. It, just, just to, just to uh, gloss over the uh, the plot, the plot of the movie. It was also an ex wrestler that went round killing people, in oh. case the title didn't give it away. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, if we're going to talk about another classic film that's based on wrestling, um, of course we've got to mention the Calimari wrestler. The Calamari Wrestler. Yeah. It's about an octopus in Japan who wins a wrestling tournament and wins the world title belts. It's brilliant. In fairness, it doesn't sound any worse than that WCW movie with David Arquette. Ooh, poor David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> the he made is, him the champion. The thing is, without wanting to go too deep into Ready to Rumble or in DWCW wrestling in general... I can kind of understand what WCW were going for there. I kind of get it. You know, they wanted they wanted to make a mark into the public mainstream, so I can kind of understand that. But come on, dude! Did you see? You must have seen the Robocop bit. I don't remember that to be honest with you. It's been a very long time, and I wasn't really YouTube it. Let me say Robocop Sting. I, I wasn't a massive fan of WCW to begin with, you know, and I was in that camp of. WWF has told me that WCW is shit, therefore I will always think WCW is shit. I I must admit that at one point I did watch both, purely because WCW was on TV at the, at the time. It was on, I think it was on ITV. It was, but let's not 
Let's not go into anyway, this. We, we can do a whole moving on. We, we, we are can, meant to be talking yeah. about movie critics and we, we, we movie reviews. Whole, we could do a whole other podcast about that, frankly. Um, so, I'm trying to think of any of other things to discuss, to be honest with you. Like I say, the idea of this wasn't to do a massive show. It was more just of a free-for-all, just to see what we what we wanted to say about critics and how we oh. felt about ourselves right. and, and how we review things. I mean, I think I think the one thing I've discovered is that critics can't be trusted because you know, depending on what site you go on, very much depends on what. You, if you're going to be influenced by critics' scores, at least, depending on what site you go on, it's going to massively influence you one way or the other on yeah. whether to watch a movie or not watch a movie. Mm. And I don't think that's that's the way you should decide on whether a film is right for you. I think you just you should base it on your own merits rather than oh well uh, movie poops user forty nine says this this film really sucks so I shouldn't go and watch it. Do you, you think know, a critic can kill a film? Critics have killed films. I mean, I think when it comes to blockbusters, any critic. I don't think critics can hurt films. But I think critics can help indie films and lesser-known films. I mean, they can, but at the same time, I mean, they've stopped it now, thankfully. You used to have the, you know, the little grabs of the, the quotes on movie posters. Do they not do that anymore? If they're not allowed to. I never even noticed what, what, that. What are they not allowed to, what, what they're not allowed to do? Remember, you used to have... This film, dot, 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 yes. is one of the greatest in the world. They're not allowed to do that anymore, because that was, often, that was taking a quote out of context. Yeah, that's, yeah, completely, yeah. Because <coughs> um, it would often be, this film is never going to be ranked among the best in the world. But? But because, because they'd selectively take parts of quotes and mash them together, it would make them look good. And it's it's actually against the law to do that now. It's quite, it's false advertising. Good, frankly. I mean, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a bit from Mark Commode here because this is I'm effectively almost quoting him word for word when he was talking about this um this this thing. Um, there was a film out many many years ago um, by the great man himself, M Night Shyamalan, and it was Lady in the Water. Have you seen it? No. Okay, it's terrible. You don't want to see it. It's crap. It's M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, it of is. course. It's terrible. But there is a particular moment in the film where there is a film critic who gets killed in a horrible and nasty way. And you're meant to say, Yay! We never liked him anyway. We never liked the film critic. Thank God he's dead. He was effectively having a dig at every single film critic out there. Yeah. And as Mark Commode said, hang on a second here, you know, we were the ones that were defending you. We were saying... Yeah, we, we actually, made you. Yeah, we didn't think you were a bad film critic, but you've taken it and you've had a go at us. And frankly, fuck you for doing that. Another example, Kevin Smith. You know, I like Kevin Smith, don't get me wrong. You can't see criticism. But that film cop out. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, 
he crucified that... critics when they said it was shite. And he basically said, oh, you know, you you, you only like what you like. and, and all. I, I can't exactly remember precisely what he said, but a lot of critics' turnarounds on that was, look, it was bad. I'm sorry, I mean, but it was. He's, he's at least changed his opinion now and said, listen, you know, it wasn't entirely my. It wasn't my script. It wasn't his. Bruce Willis was. was it? Bruce Willis was an absolute fucking gobshite for the film of the movie. We saw the. Dark it wasn't the, the experience then. I expected to have. No. So at least he's, he's kind of come around onto the critic side about that and said, "Listen, I can I can accept now." But at, at the time, in a way, I can't entirely blame him for getting defensive because, of course, it's it. He's made a movie. He wants people to go out and buy tickets and, and to enjoy it. And, I and mean, he, and he should defend it. If he, he, sh- he should he should defend it, but he shouldn't go to that length where where it's a, an all out fuck you. Yeah. Just because just because they say this is <laughs> this is obviously not his best work. And that, and that is effectively what he did. You know. Yeah. He, he did do that. I mean. I can't remember it exactly. Um, you know, I, I I would urge you to try and find the um, commode rant about it because it's one of his classics. Um, it, it, I'm fairly certain it's on YouTube. It's it, it's one of the best. It's not quite as good as his rant about Sex and the City two, and um, basically all of the Pirates Caribbean films, but it's still quite good. And I mean, that's that's the thing of, as well with uh, Mark Commode. And very few other critics. I never found other critics especially entertaining, but I found, Mark, I find Mark Kermode so hilarious in his rants. He he and can be, and that's, that's the great thing about him is that he 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 obviously enjoys movies and an awful deal. I mean, he's made a career out of talking about them, and he can be incredibly funny when he talks about films. But I think that's re- that's pretty much when he chooses to be. Otherwise, he can be he kind of incredibly dry and incredibly incredibly critical. Okay. If um if a film hasn't been exactly exactly to his standards, I mean as we all can, I think. I mean, I, I had the great privilege of, of not necessarily meeting him face to face, but certainly seeing him live. Um, at fact. Um, a number of years ago and actually asking him a question there was something I wanted to ask him and he answered it and we'll actually come on to that question um, in the second portion of the show because it is kind of relevant and he just seemed like a genuine and immersed guy and he also and I'm not bigging myself up here but he also seemed to he also seemed to actually be interested in my question because so many people were asking mundane and boring questions and I said I will know about this and I want your opinion and how the film industry is going because of this. And he's Whereas I'm guessing everyone else is like, oh, what, what's your favourite film or yes, what's your favourite director? Exactly. The first question someone asked was, uh, you like horror films? What, what, what's your favourite horror film? It's like, he's been telling us for the past 10 years his favourite is The Exorcist. If you don't know his favourite horror film, why are you here? Jesus yeah. Christ! You shouldn't yeah. be in his audience if that's if you don't even know that. I, I mean that that's kind of do your research. Yeah. 
Go on the internet. Look, look up the guy. Bring, by all means, bring notes along, but don't ask him, you know, a base, a, a basic question like that. That somebody in the audience should know. It's such a dumb question, and you know, and, and God bless the woman for asking it. You know, because maybe she, did, maybe she genuinely didn't know, and I don't want to be nasty. You know, that, that's not the point here. That wasn't the point of me bringing it up. But I just felt so sorry for her because I thought, really. Of all he's the questions you could ask this great man, that's the question you wanted to ask. I mean, he's, that's the kind of thing I think you go into it. You expect one kind of audience and don't get it. Yeah. So possibly when you asked your question, it was a genuine treat for him. I would like to think so. Because nobody asks him saying. these questions. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Anyway, so... Should we take a quick break here? And, um... I was going to say, we've been going for 15 minutes, which is a lot longer than I thought we would. Um, so, yeah, let's take a, break, a quick break. Uh, I could do a cigarette. Um, so we'll I could do it with it... a piss. <laughs> Indeed. So we'll, we'll, we'll pause it there, and we'll be right back after these messages, where there won't be messages because we're not sponsored by anyone. So see you in part two. Welcome back. So this is part two. So... Um, yeah, so the next thing we're going to talk about, and um, M- um, Mike has a, has a little ditty that he wants to tell us off, so I'm going to allow him to talk about that in a minute, but to introduce the second part, uh, we are going to talk about ratings. Um, this is the ratings that films get, the reason why films get particular ratings, and the difference between the BBFC, or the British Board Film... British Board of Film Classification here in the UK and the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, over in the States, hence the America bit. So, Mike, tell me of your ditty. Uh, well, you've just reminded me uh, with your story about Mark Amode, and I, it brings to mind the idea of fandoms. And there are really two types of fandom that you can have. You can have the rabid fandom where they, they know absolutely everything there is to know about that particular thing. And then you have your casual fandom. Now, I have no problem with either. But the casual fandom can kind of be a killer. Now, I was lucky enough some years ago to, to get to go and see Motorhead, the great late, great Let Me Kill Meister in concerts. Um, a small venue here in Liverpool. Liverpool, the Liverpool Students Union. Um, and at the time, they were very popular because they had a few songs in WWE that were used re- quite regularly. Now, most of the audience, I'm talking about 99% of the audience, the, the crowd at that gig, were Motorhead fans. They, they loved all the music. But there was one guy, just one guy, after every single song would shout out play the game or <laughs> or play evolution now evolution is not a song that, that motorhead ever wrote lying in, in the sand is a song that that motorhead wrote and the wrestling stable evolution used that as their entrance music but it was not called evolution in any way, shape, or form. So this guy was roundly ignored for most of the most of the show. <laughs> um, 
But it, it kind of killed it for everyone because it was obvious to everyone. You know, this guy, yeah, he's a wrestling fan, got no problem with that. But he doesn't know the music. He knows what he's seen, seen and heard on TV. And he, because of that, that's what he wants. That's what he's familiar with. And he's killing it for everyone else by just sticking with, I want th- these songs. And um, I'm glad to say that they didn't actually play any of the songs he requested. Uh, pr- probably just out of pure refusal. Like, fuck you, dude. Go off and buy an album. A song um, that was played live at WrestleMania 17, and Lemmy didn't have a peer to have a clue where he was or what he was doing there. It's actually quite sad. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, that's a different story, but at this gig, he was, he was very much aware of where he was and what he was doing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm convinced it was just a stubborn refusal of, fuck you, dude. Uh, we're going to play the songs we want and what the audience wants. Not what one wrestling fan in a Triple H t-shirt wants. <laughs> was it, was I he great wearing gig. a Triple H t-shirt? I, th- I, I think he was. Oh, God. He was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big fan of Triple H, but if I go to a concert, that is not the t-shirt I'm wearing. No. No. And I do have a Triple H t-shirt, as you remember. Uh, I possibly I can't remember that far back to be honest with you. I well first time first time doing the came to Liverpool if you remember you and I went. Oh that's right yeah. and I bought a CM Punk T-shirt. You did yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Still and we, got it. And we saw that kid that was really upset that John Cena wasn't going to be there. That was kind of funny. Oh that was hilarious. So anyway. Uh, yeah he's he's actually injured kid. He's really injured. <laughs> for once. So anyway, getting back to what we, uh, getting back to the second part of the show. Okay, so really, um, the okay, okay. Let me start again. I'm going to reference a film very quickly because this is relevant. There was a film made a number of years ago called "This Film Is Not Yet Rated." Uh, have you ever seen it? Are you aware of it at all? I'm aware of it. I don't know if I've seen it. Let me just... IMDB, not Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> this film is not yet rated. See, it kind of... It brings to mind... Um, oh, what was the film without an Eckhart? Uh, thank you for not smoking. Uh, thank you for smoking, but yes, it was oh, very thank similar. Thank you for smoking, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just bringing up the director. Oh, this is actually a, a, a documentary, though. It is. Uh, it's a documentary about the MPAA, how they work, and how they are basically structured. It goes into primarily how the film rating system works in America, how it's broken, and how we should be very thankful we have the BBFC and not the MPAA. The difference between the BBFC and the MPAA is quite stark. Here are the rules. If you want to make a film in this country, and if you want it to appear on Netflix, Amazon Amazon Instant Video rather, uh, any shop like HMV, whatever, if you want to make a film 
and if you want it to appear in those shops, it has to be certified by the BBFC. There's no question. It has to. That's the yeah. rules. If you want a film to come out in the States, you don't have to go through the MPAA. You don't have to get a rating. It's not a legal contract. However, it cannot be advertised. It can't be given wide circulation. And basically, your film will never be heard of if you don't get the pass by the MPAA. It's a voluntary system, yeah. as I say, but it's a system where it's so closed off it might as well be some kind of a secret Illuminati society. They don't allow you to know who works at the MPAA. You don't get real reasons for why a film is criticised in one way or the other. You can send them notes. You can say, well, okay, you didn't think that my film was suitable for an R. You felt it was suitable for an NC-17. This is what I'm going to change to make it a rated R film. Will you accept uh, this? See, I've always been confused about the American rating system a bit. Because is is an R like lower, higher or lower? It's lower an R. Okay, right. so okay. an R is, is like a fifteen to us. No, it's it's not. It's different. Okay. No. Um, I'm just going to bring up the MPAA's website because I get confused myself. But I will just grab you how it works because it is it is um, a little bit different. Uh, let me just find this. Ah, here we go. I think I found it because it is it is different to how we work. Okay, so starting at the very beginning, you've got a general audience's rating. Uh, that is for everybody. Anybody can see it. That is basically our version of the U. Yeah. Then you've got a PG. That's and this is where self-explanatory and well no it's not because this is where it starts to differ. It's parental right. guidance suggested that some may something may not be suitable. Parents are urged to give parental guidance that it might not be suitable for young children, but young children can still watch it. Right. Then you've got PG thirteen where parents are strongly cautioned. And it may be inappropriate for pre-teenagers, but again, you can't stop them. Now, right. it then goes from a PG-13 all the way up to an, <coughs> R, to an R rating. Right. Anybody under the age of 17 must be accompanied by an adult if they want to watch that film. And unlike in this country where you have to be 15 to watch a 15-rated film. Even if you're a 14-year-old with an adult, legally, cinemas cannot let you in because you're not 15. Even if you're with an adult, in America, and I'm fairly certain I'm right on this, you could be 15 to go into an R-rated movie. As long as you're with someone who is over the age event of 17, that's fine. You can do that. The only exception to this... I, th I think it's... Um... I, th I think yeah, this might be something that's subjective and they can, depending on the movie. It is. You know, yeah. they can refuse admission. The only exception to this, and the highest rating they have in the States, is an NC 17. And that is where no one under the age of 17 can see a film. 
No questions asked. So this is our 18 rated. It's our version of the 18. They did have, a, but they did have a uh, an X rating at one stage, but I think that X was pulled, rating, yeah. I think that was pulled many many years ago. So that's what the Americans have. Uh, I imagine that people, most people, will know what the BBFC have, but let's go into it just for just for clarity. So in this case, in this country, we have U, which is suitable for all parental guidance, parental guidance 12A. Cinema release for suitable. No, we do have a different U rating as well. Oh, we have a UC, don't we? We do have a different U rating. Um, yeah, is it a UC or something? Because um, I think a, it's a UC. Yeah, or something a, like that. Not officially on the um, on the BBFC what? website. Um, then we have the twelve, which is basically suitable for anybody twelve years old um, or over. Um, 12A, which again is similar, but I'm really not sure the massive difference there. I, I just believe it's it, it's slightly different, but I really couldn't tell you why. Then we have the 15, which is where people who are only 15 and older, you can't see it, no questions asked. 18, you've got to be 18 to watch it again, no questions asked, or you have to have an R or an R18, which to be fair, it's kind of a mythological thing. You wouldn't ever see that outside of well, shops that have. Um, paper on the on the windows, shall we say? Adult material. Yeah, effectively. Effectively. Yeah. So yeah. that's the difference between the main ratings of the how it how it differs from. Pardon? You you. I'm losing you for a second, Mike. Hang on, a second. Hang on I'm going to pause for a sec. Okay, we're back. Okay, yeah. So, what were you gonna say? I'm. I'm pretty sure there have been films released for released in this country that have had the R eighteen rated that have been, um, on general release. It's very few. Yeah, very, I seem to very have, few. we've also had X ratings as well because I mean it's all changed over the past um, ten fifteen years. Uh, I remember one of the biggest scandals being um, the Child's Play films. That, that was one. But, but then you had uh, there were films such. I mean, they've been banned from it's been banned from releasing in this country ever. Um, a Serbian movie. Oh God. Yeah, uh, which is, I wouldn't even recommend anyone ever watching it. And he did crash. I'm just. You still can't show that in certain parts of the. Uh, we saw. Uh, yes, uh, the, the David Cronenberg version. Yeah. I'm just looking on the BBFC website because there is an option to search for it, but it's only by 18 races, so I'm. Don't know if it will. No, that's okay. So to go to talk about the MPAA a little bit more because, as I say, it it's it's broken. It's a broken system by comparison to the. I BBFC. think I think the MPAA see themselves as kind of the model guardians. Very much so. Uh, you... Whereas whereas the BBFC are, are more kind of. Now then, just calm down a bit. Yeah, I mean. I'm not, I can't quote it word for word because I can't remember exactly from the film itself. And I honestly urge you to watch this film. Apart from the fact it's funny, it's incredibly insightful as well. But they discuss the amount of swear words, for example, that you can have um, in a film. You can use certain you can use certain swear words 
a number of times, but you can't use it more than a number of times, otherwise they'll get banned. But the biggest one is sexual content. Yeah. If you have, in a film, uh, a man and a woman having sex on screen, it will get an R rating. If you have a man and a man having sex on screen, it will get an instant NC-17. <laughs> if you have a woman and a woman having sex on screen, it will get an instant NC-17 rating. Now, that in itself might not put a lot of people off, but it puts filmmakers off. An example of this was Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. One of the main Brilliant movie. Um, one of the makers of the film, you know, they were told, you're going to get an NC-17 rating for this. That's just how it's going to work. And the filmmaker turned around and said, that's great. I love these films. Those are the sort of films I watch. And they said, well, it is and it isn't, because as an NC ra- NC-17 rated film, you're not going to get advertising. You're not going to be allowed to advertise on TV. So you are cutting that film off at the heels before it's even started. Yeah. And that's the problem. And it's... That's the difficulty. It is an unfair system. And the problem is, as I say, is you can't question it. You can't go to them. You can appeal, but you can't be told why. And that's why it doesn't work. At least for the BBFC, there are a clear set of guidelines. You know who the BBFC are. You can go to them. They are an open open book. You can go to them and talk to these people. The MPAA doesn't work in that way. And that's why I say, thank God we have the BBFC in this country. I mean, there are are only certain things in this country now that will guarantee an 18-rated movie. Yeah. Um... Ninja, Ninja Stars, uh, Shuriken, are banned. You can't show them on screen. Still. Still. <laughs> um, nunchucks are a bit of a no-no, but just about allowed. But if you have either of those in a movie with the word Ninja in the title, oh god, yeah, that will get you an 18 rating. I, I remember that I remember that controversy of when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV program came over and he got changed to Ninja Teenage Mutant Hero, Hero Turtles. Turtles because Hero was okay, Ninja means bad apparently. Even though if you know anything about Ninja, they're actually a very honor law abiding group ultimately. It's yeah, not they're, about that. They're, 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 you know, they're a group of people bound by honor. Yeah. You know, honor and respect is is the ninja code, like. Very much. I so. mean, don't get me wrong, the gang of double hard bastards you wouldn't want to cross in the middle of the night, but. <laughs> but you'd never cross. <laughs> you know, you'd never come across them not, in the middle of the night. They're not the, the bad guys. No, they're not. Um, so yeah, coming on to the question that I asked Mark Mode, I basically said to him, "Do you feel that the rating systems and film and the ratings that film gets?" hinder the ability for films as a whole to be made because people are so concerned with boundaries that they have to keep to and boundaries that they can't dare cross. Now, I can't exactly remember what the answer was, but I think the general feeling was probably not. You know, if if a film is good enough in what it does, then a rating shouldn't necessarily hinder it. The really weird thing is, is I remember um, earlier this year, 
I went to see a film called Raw, which I told you about the evening I'd seen because we just had to be podcasting after I'd seen the film and I could barely talk for five minutes, surprisingly enough. And it occurred to me that it was the first film I'd seen in a long time that I realised it's actually an 18-rated film. Aside from the fact that obviously I don't pay attention to that anymore because I'm not in a position where it even matters to me anymore, I think it is getting harder and harder in this country to actually get an 18 rating. I think it's more difficult. I mean, if you want want an example of this, two films that spring to mind, Terminator got an 18 in this country. Um, I think it was Terminator Salvation. And Terminator Salvation got a 12A. Yeah. You know. I mean, the first thing is it's being reclassified in this country now. It's it's now it's, a fifteen. It is a fifteen rated film, isn't it? No, I'm um, just I'm just re- reading here, by the way, um, on the subject of R eighteen movies. Yeah. Uh, it says in two thousand and four, a group of video distributors appealed to the Video Appeals Committee back against the BBFC's decision to award R-18 certificates to nine films that the distributors wish to be reclassified as 18. A press release issued by the BBFC on the 20th of July 2005 announced that VAC had dismissed the appeal. The BBFC has previously granted 18 certificates for movies containing short scenes of unsimulated sex. So this is actual sex. Such as Catherine Breyat's romance in 1999, Virginie Despentes' uh, Bezmoir in 2000. Oh, God, Bezmoir. Do not watch that film. For the love of God, do not watch that film. Patrice Chirot's Intimacy in 2001. Michael Winterbottom's Nine Songs, which is another one to avoid, yeah. in 2004. Short film compilation. Dis- Destricted in 2006. Yeah, that was and, not good. I, I'm assuming as well that Sallow is on that list. No, in 2008, the final film on the list it says uh, was the Antichrist? hardcore, the hardcore version of Tinto Brass's Caligula was passed uncut for DVD with an 18 rating. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that Antichrist wasn't included on that list because that actually had. Um, uh, real unsimulated sex at the very beginning of the film. Antichrist, then, um, yeah. by. Oh, That's what's his name? name? That's the one. Um, yeah, I'm amazed that. I mean, Sallow is still, as far as I know, an 18 rated film. And aside from the fact that you shouldn't watch it because it is it is horrible. It's, it's not. Dreary. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, God. How horrible is that? It's. Yeah, it's. Um, not nice. It's not a nice experience. No. It's it's not. But, but saying that, again, I'm all for for the kind of freedom to be able to watch these films at the same time, if Absolutely. you so choose. Yeah, no, um, I, I I completely agree. I mean, the thing is, right, is I don't believe that any film should be banned at all. No film should be banned. No. Get, put it on a limited release. Make it virtually impossible to get. Give it yeah. such a high rating, you can virtually not get hold of it. Tell me I'm scum. Tell me I'm a sicko. Tell me I'm weird for wanting to watch this. But what you can't do is tell people what they cannot you can't watch. watch this. 
I mean, you don't it happened, have that right. You you look back at the seventies and we go back to Mark Rowe's favorite film, The Exorcist, yes. and banned from ever being released in homes for, for home cinema for a long time. Yeah, for a long, long time. For a, now, when I was a kid, the only way you could get hold of this was on a Paris VHS copy, and this. This wasn't a first-generation pirated copy. No, no. This had been copied 20 times. So you were watching the copy of the copy of the copy of the copy of the copy <laughs> by this point. Yeah. So there was no picture quality, no sound quality left in it. And you were, you were sat there going, what the hell is this? Now, I actually went to see Exorcist when it got re-released with... I went with my brother and we went to the cinema on Edge Lane. I believe back then it was it was the MGM. So I mean we're talking easily twenty years ago now. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and I remember walking out of it and yeah, don't get me wrong, there were points in that movie it was scary. But I walked out of it thinking, why was that banned for so long? I couldn't work it out. There was nothing inherently nasty about the movie that I could see that would warrant it being banned. Certainly nothing that I could see that it was what at one time dubbed the scariest movie of all time. I think, um, I think you have to bear in mind when it was made, though. I mean, I think you have to take into account when the film was released to the general public and what gen and what the general public were used to. True. I mean. You know, I, 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 I definitely would, I'd recommend anyone to watch it because I think it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Max von Sydow is amazing, as yeah. is Linda Blair. But purely because of the fact that it's been banned, I wouldn't say you must watch this because it's been banned. Because I did that years ago with um, Straw Dogs. Yes. The 1971 Dustin Hoffman movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you've seen this. I think um, I have, and I actually didn't mind the remake. I've not seen the remake, but I I bought this going back to 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. Yeah. Where it just been rec- just been declassified and allowed for for home release. I was working up in Man- Manchester at the time, Eccles, doing security. Now, on my lunch break, most days, there was a HMV two doors down from where I worked. So I'd spend most of my lunch break in there, just wandering around the DVD section. DVD being a fairly new technology at the time. And I think the offer at the time was three DVDs for £20. <laughs> Which was, you know, it was a bargain back then. Nowadays you go, what? How much? Anyway, um, walking around, I remember I th- one of the films I bought was Predator. Right. Uh, to this special edition. Uh, Straw Dogs was another, and I couldn't, I couldn't honestly tell you what the third film was off the top of my head. But of the three films that I bought, Straw Dogs was the only one I hadn't seen. 
So, of course, when I got home that evening, that was the first one I decided to put on. Um, we get to a particular scene. We won't discuss the merits of it here, but we all know what the scene was. Is it or isn't it? Uh, it that shocked me. It, it's it kind of sickened me to see that. Because it, it was brutal. It was violence. And so I returned the DVD the next day with the excuse being, I've got a PlayStation 2 and it won't play on it. <laughs> because it, it, it wouldn't play all the discs. And of course, it got it exchanged for something else. And to this day, it's one of the few films that I, won't, I can't bear to watch because of that one scene. I mean, I'm looking at a number of films that were banned in this country, and I think a lot of these are probably going to ring true for you. Um, so the first one that I've got that was banned and is now available, and I remember buying on DVD when it was unofficially banned, um, is from the late, great Wes Craven, uh, Last House on the Left. Oh, the, the classic. I... The original... I thought it was nasty. There's no way of getting around that. And honestly, it is, I, it is a nasty film. It, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's arguably you know what started off the the horror exploitation genre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly the revenge movie. Yeah, apparently I spit on your grave was never banned in this country, which amazes me. Um, I would have thought it was, but apparently not. Um, the next film that I'm sure you recognise as well uh, was The Clockwork Orange, uh, the Stanley Kubrick film, which I've never actually seen. And I um, have I've no real interest in seeing. I, I've seen it, I'll be honest. Um, uh, it's a good movie, <coughs> but I can, I can also see why Kubrick wanted it banned. And that's what upsets me about this, because he specifically stated he wanted it banned and never to be released in his lifetime. And then it almost seemed that almost like a few days after his death, they thought, well, he's gone now, so can we, we can release it because it's okay. Now, I know that's probably not the circumstances, but that left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, and I felt it quite it, disrespectful. It, it was released quite quick, quite soon after his death. I think probably within a couple of months. I, I just found that a bit disrespectful to Kubrick's, to Kubrick's legacy, to be honest. Let me just, just look that up, actually. I just want to confirm... Because I'm pretty sure it was a couple of months. It, it was within the year, certainly. Um, so, Stanley. Now. You'll excuse me a moment. It's okay. Okay, so he died on the 7th of March, 1999. I'm just going to look up Glockwork. Um... Uh, 
Uh, let me see. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> mention on here when it was where it was released. And this is on this is on Wikipedia. So let me just have a look on IMDb. Okay, well, while while you're looking that up, I'll just bring up some of the films that were that were allowed back into the country um, that I did see. Um, okay, so the next we've got to include one of the original video nasties, surely, The Evil Dead. I don't remember that being banned. Um, in all honesty, but I can understand why people are a little bit upset by it. Um, but the next one, and I specifically remember watching this on Channel Four. Um, after again, our lovely Mark Commode did a documentary about it, um, <coughs> and it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I distinctly remember watching that and thinking, "I've got to video this." You know, when this was the days when VCRs were still a thing, um, and remembering the opening remarks, and I don't remember being especially terrified by it. I've got to say, oh, here's the thing, Toby Hooper. Nobody actually realised this when he made it. Toby Hooper shot that film to be released as a PG, which is why there's no, there's very little violence, there's very little blood for a horror movie. I mean, this was we're going back to when he was in in America. You still had the X rating. This was given the X rating, the highest of all the ratings. So, so when he when he found out, there's no chance that you're going to get a PG for this in any of our lifetimes. He went back and reshot some footage to to add in. Um. Yeah. No, that that ah, surprised me. Oh, have you found it? I found it. It's on IMDb. It says the film was unavailable for public viewing in the UK from 1973 until 2000. What film was the this? The year story? after Kubrick's death. Oh, right, yes, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it was, it was in, in fairly short order, if you, if you think a year after his death. It's not that long. I mean, I don't know if I want to see it. I'm really, I don't really understand the big deal of it, but maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe I'll give it a go at some point. Maybe read the book. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so other films that we know that were banned uh, Sallow or 120 Days of Sodom that was banned between uh, 75 and 2000 and I'm fairly certain the guy who directed that was actually murdered I seem to remember uh, um, oh yeah Evil it, Dead 1983 to 1990 that was indeed banned there were oh, ho- Cannibal Holocaust do you remember, have you ever seen that? yes I've seen it um, that was that was just it's, horrible. It's still controversial because of Quite the because uh, there were scenes of uh, animal cruelty. Although I do remember watching that at home, and my mother wasn't actually watching it, but she could hear the sound coming out of my room. And if you've never seen it, it's got a really nice piece of music um, at the beginning, and my mother's like, "Oh, that's nice. What are you watching?" Because like, I'm not going to tell you. You don't want to watch okay. it. The director of you're right. Uh, the director of Sallow. Uh, was actually was he was killed? Um, it was murder in still mysterious circumstances shortly after completing the film. 
it's just a very weird thing. Uh, next, obviously, we, uh, have you ever seen Natural Born Killers? Yes. What did you think? I thought it was dreadful. I mean, this is the problem with, with Oliver Stone. Um, and the problem with taking somebody else's somebody else's writing and kind of putting it in your way. It was... It, it was a it was a horror movie made into a rave. <coughs> Excuse me. I just didn't think it was any good. I, I honestly I mean, just I, thought it was crap. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ju- Juliette Lewis is a fantastic actress. She but she was wasted in that movie. Yeah. Absolutely wasted. Uh, I'd love to have seen what Tarantino would have done with it. Because mm. Tar- obviously Tarantino wrote it. I mean that and true romance. Let's get Tarantino directing his re- his vision <laughs> of those movies and see what he would give us. Because I guarantee it, it would be a thousand times better than anything fucking Oliver Stone, the man who gave us Born on the Fourth of July, could could ever th- dream up. So I'm looking through a lot of other films that have been banned in this country one way or the other. A lot that are still actually banned. And in all honesty, I'm not even going to say the names of the films or describe the plot because I mean, honestly, there... that it's just wrong. I, I, I know I said that, you know, I don't feel that anybody should be banned from watching films and I would still agree with that. But these films that I'm reading about, I just think... Jesus fucking Christ. Wait, I'm, I'm getting the list of banned films up now. Yeah, it's on a, it's on Wikipedia. Hang on, because there's one there's one list that's just the list of banned films, and it gives every country. So I'm not gonna go for that one. List of films banned in the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. The life story of David Lloyd George. I can't <laughs> see why that was banned. I've never even heard of it. Banned between 1918 and 1996. Yeah, that's got to be some kind of a record. <laughs> I would say so. Battleship Potemkin. Freaks, which is obviously a famous I, one. I, I want to see that. I've never seen that. I remember it being on BBC Two years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, Glenn or Glenda. Edward. Uh, actually had two lives uh, as as a band film. It was banned between 1958 and 1981. In 1981, it was released um, as a cut version, and then it wasn't released uncut. With and then with a 15 rating, so it, it, it's fairly tame. In 1995, yeah, I mean, what? Crazy. Um, Four nine one still banned. A controversial drama which I've never heard of. Um, Can we choose as to what that is now? I want to find out. Django. I didn't realise Django was banned. Straw Dogs, which we we talked about. Park in Neil Park. 
here's a fun one. Um, Panic in the Eagle Park. It says the film was banned in June 1971 by the BBFC before being released with an X rating in November 1974. A cut version, shortened by 57 seconds, was passed by with an 18 year rating on New Year's Eve 1987 for video release. <laughs> however, sorry, in, in April 2002, however, a version of the film was passed with an 18 year rating by the BBFC and all previous cuts were waived. Explicit detail of injecting drug use is no longer con- considered grounds to cut or ban a film, but does require res- restrictions to the 18 category unless there is an aversive anti-drugs message. Non-fiction material which explicitly advocates use or cultivation of substances controlled under UK law, such as in four documentary slash instructional videos on cannabis and psilocybin, containing magic mushrooms submitted in 2005, may still be banned. <laughs> They've obviously never seen Sausage Party. Nope. And I've really got no interest <laughs> in watching it. Uh, there is, there is um, animated drug use. Right. Okay. <laughs> um... Coffee. Coffee was banned. I mean, as I say, there's a lot more films, and honestly, some of the... I, I think we'll talk about the plot lines when we're off the air, because I don't even want to describe them um, on this podcast, in all honesty, because if you start going down to the it's, 2004 it's onwards... Deep, it, deep, dark rabbit hole, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and honestly, I don't, I'm don't. i not surprised that they were in some way uh, not wanted to be released in this country. So... Do you think that ratings work? I think in this country, I think ratings work um, as much as as much as ratings can. I mean, don't be wrong; you're never going to eliminate you know kids sneaking in or people watching films that they don't understand or don't get. I mean, the most most recent example. One example I can think of, I went with a friend when it was released to see Ted, the right. Seth MacFarlane. Oh, the comedy. one about the fluffy teddy. Yeah. Now, I'm of a certain age that I'm going to get the majority of the jokes, as was my friend. However, behind us, two rows behind us in the cinema, were a group of probably 15, 16 year old kids who wouldn't have grown up being exposed to the likes of Flash Gordon mm. um, on TV. And they just didn't get the material. Yeah. You know, they sat there going, I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> don't come to the movie then. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's obviously going to have references you don't understand. Any film is going to have references like that. But let's face it, if you don't understand the film... You shouldn't really be there. And if you're not old enough to understand, then fucking stop talking about it and stop shouting around the cinema. Did you ever try to buy films underage? Try. Well, you, okay, we did. But how I, easily how easily did you find it to buy them underage? It, it would depend on the shop, to be honest. But mo- most of the time, I didn't have a problem because... Looking, I was lucky enough to not actually look my age when I was kind of 14, 15. Yeah. Um, 
I look quite a lot older. Because I remember wanting to buy um, American Beauty when it first came out. Um, mm. And I, I can't remember how I got hold of it, but I know I did buy it. Because it it is such an important film, you know. And don't get me wrong, it deserves an 18 rating. But I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I mean, I'm reading... I'm at the end of this list, by the way, of films banned in this country, and it's nowhere near as bad as any of these sounds. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. To be honest, I mean, I can sort of see why, and I think the I think the BBC have probably gone along with the MPAA on this one, because in the film it's presented as a relationship with an underage girl. True. True. Bearing in bearing in mind, however, the age of consent in America is higher. Oh, it's so weird. It's yeah. So while we while it's presented as you know as a borderline pedophilic relationship with an underage girl in America, in this country it'd be completely completely legal. Yeah, albeit maybe, maybe yeah. not morally so, but you know there would be nothing. Preventing you from, and yeah. I think that's where they've probably towed the line on that one with with the uh, MPAA and kind of gone with the decision to give it a higher rating I compared mean, to say a more overt example of it. Um, both versions of of uh, Lolita. I've never seen Lolita. Uh, that, I don't think so anyway. I mean that is it's it's about a relationship with a blatantly underage girl. Oh, hang on, is that the one with Jeremy Irons? The remake had Jeremy. The original was actually directed by the, the aforementioned Stanley Kubrick. Right. Um, yeah, I do remember seeing that actually. Star James Mason, but James yeah. James Mason. Sorry. But but that's the kind of the other. That's a blatantly. Um, and that was given the the uh, the X rating, and I believe it was it was given that rating in this country as well for the original. The Jeremy Irons version is rated eighteen, and I would argue that one deserves the eighteen rating you know more than, more so than American. American you know I'm not seeing bands, and maybe maybe it's just a very short list. But I'm surprised kids never made it onto that list. Kids, I'm just trying to remember. It was set around. It was set around a 24-hour period in New York that showed a group of teenagers basically living their lives um, between having underage sex, drinking, doing drugs. It had a tagline. I, I can't remember it exactly, but it was like parents of a mate who okay, this is your wake-up call or something, or if you don't know what your kids are doing tonight you should be scared. Um, I mean, it's an interesting film. It's not a nice film. Um, it, it, it's borderline pornographic to be perfectly honest with you at some points. But it's not... It, it's interesting. I would never want to watch it with anyone or admit to the fact that it's an enjoyable film at all. Apart from I mean, it's got, got soundtrack. it's got a couple of big big name stars in the cast: Rosario oh, Dawson and Chloe Savini. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm amazed you've never been, you've never seen it. I, I might have years ago, and 
just kind of forgotten about it. It's one of the. It's. Um, I'm just trying to find the director um, who did it. I think it might have been Larry Clark. Larry Clark, yeah. Because he's another name who is is basically within controversy. Um, yeah, the the headline is a wake up call to the world. Um, he did Ken Park, which is horrible. Uh, Bully, which was horrible. Um, he didn't do Elephant. I thought he'd done. I thought he'd done Elephants. Um, who did Elephant? Let me have a look. Ah, no, that was uh, that was just Van Sant. Another kind of enfanterible, if and you was, will. That was a good film, actually. I really enjoyed Elephant. Despite the despite but, the. Uh... But, but he's he's kind of, he's always going to try and push the envelope, isn't he? Oh God, yeah, Van Sant is. Him and Lars von Trier, they're all, you know. <laughs> It's Rome always going to be. Yeah, they, what they can always we do? do. I, I mean, mean whereas for some directors, you, you know, the, they have the odd controversial movie, but that's kind of the blip on the radar. I mean, somebody was. It was on TV the night somebody was talking about uh, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. Um, and. Well, just. I believe that was. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. Uh, yeah, I thought he made that, actually. Dark the Last Temptation of Christ. And, um... Because there was... There was a, there was a question about uh, which which uh, which British singer starred as um, Pontius Pilate. Uh, it, it, was on, it was on... It was, I think it was on... It was on a quiz show, and it was which 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 uh, which singer and actor started um, appeared as Pontius Pilate in Martin Scorsese's Last Sensation of Christ. All I know is that Pontius Pilate had a lisp. Well, it was played by David Bowie. <laughs> but uh, but I mean that that was a film that was hugely controversial at the time. Yeah, I, I think it probably still is to a certain extent. To be fair, um. So, what do you think parents' roles have to play within this? Because um, one of my uh, a friend of mine, Cameron, he used to many many years ago um, work in a secondhand uh, game shop. Yeah. And some someone want, came in wanting to buy like Grand Theft Auto or something, and she had her son with her, and he was only about maybe thirteen, fourteen. And he said, you know, is this for your child? And she said, yes. And he was like, well, you know it's rated an 18, right? You know, he could legally sell it to her. It's not his responsibility what happens afterwards. Yeah, what she does be is... Is entirely down to her decision. And she said, oh, it's okay. He's seen all these films before. It's like, I'm guessing, I'm guessing she returned the next day absolutely outraged with the amount of violence. Uh, probably the amount of swearing, I would say. More than yeah. anything else. See... I mean, I was I was lucky enough that I grew up with parents that knew and trusted me, mm-hmm. and I can't. I was always aware of the of the defining line between this is a movie, this is a TV show, this is a book, it's a work of fiction, it's not real life. Yeah. And so they trusted me from quite an early age, if I'm honest, to be able to watch these movies with their supervision. 
Um, and only once they'd seen and made sure, is this going to be okay? So I grew up watching the likes of uh, The Terminator, Robocop, etc., etc., etc. Knowing full well that it was a movie and it was just a movie. And if I ever got scared, upset, they trusted me enough to be, to be able to say, listen, this is getting too much, stop it. And they would, they would turn the movie off. Yeah. Not that I ever did, because I was always one of those kids that wanted to see more. Of course you did. <laughs> um, with with one only one exception to that to that rule. I'll get on to that in a minute. So I grew up watching these movies because my mum and my mum and dad trusted me to be mature enough from that early age. Um, but. Again, that's a very subjective thing. It depends on the on both the individual parents as well as the child. Not all kids that are seven are gonna be mature enough to watch Robocop or the original Fright Night or Nightmare on Elm Street and be able to cope with that. So I think it very much depends on the individual circumstance. Would I ever show them to to a seven year old? Probably not. I'd say, considering when I used to watch Ghostbusters with my stepson, every time they had the the, the library ghost scene, he'd always hide under under my shirt. That's what they probably should have done. <laughs> I still find well, that scary. Exactly, I do. But at the same time, I knew that it was a film he could watch. Yeah. It was a PG. I'd grown up with it, and I wanted him to to grow up with it and love it as much as I did. And he does. He still does. But we're talking exceptions to the rule here. Um, not everyone who was his age would be mature enough to, to cope with with seeing that. Um, we'll go back to to the one exception to my. I always wanted more. Um, there was a film I watched when I was probably about six, maybe seven. I think I was still in still in junior school at the time. I watched it at a friend's house, and it's called Dario Argento's Demons. I've never seen it, but I've heard of Dario Argento. Now, it's based in a cinema, and the story behind, you know, they're watching this movie, and props from the movie are in the cinema, and there's this mask that's meant to, con- it, you know, anyone who wears it, it gets possessed by a demon, blah, blah, blah. And this girl, you know, farting around with this mask, which she thinks is a prop, um, scratches her face while she's putting on the mask. Right. Now, later on, there is a scene where she, uh, this this scratch from the mask has started to to kind of bubble and and rise. I it it you know filled with pus type of thing. Now, watching this in my mate's house, me being me absolutely fucking fearless. Me turns around and goes, "This is you might want to look away at this bit now." <laughs> I went, you know, you might want. He was going, "You might want to close your eyes." This, this, you know, this is really scary. You know, I'm not watching it. I went, no, I'll watch it. Absolutely fucking shit, my kecks. <laughs> Now, here's here's the thing. Later on that evening, I went home 
obviously, as you have to do at some point. I just got in, and in in the where we left at the time, you had to go up one flight of stairs, and then you met the bathroom, and then you went up another few stairs, and that was where the living area was. So I went straight up the stairs into the bathroom. And uh, we're talking 30 seconds after I'd been in the house. I right? hadn't seen anyone approaching the vicinity. I'm in the bathroom having a, having a wee. Ding dong. Fucking doorbell goes. Okay. <laughs> to my seven-year-old mind, this can't possibly be anything else apart from the demon from the movie. <laughs> right? Standing there. Um, I'm like, shit! I actually shivered. While, and to this day, occasionally, I still do shiver while peeing. <laughs> randomly. Anyway. Turning out it was just my mum. Coming home from bingo. Not the demon, obviously. Demons aren't real. But tell seven-year-old me that's that's not a demon, and he'll tell you to fuck right off. Um, and to this day, that's one of the very few films that I can't watch. Cannot watch that movie. Just, just looking at the just looking at the film now, I don't ever have any intention of watching this. It looks horrible. I've got to say. Especially Demons Two, that looks even that looks horrible, frankly. De- Demons Two, I've been able to watch, but Demons, I, I've I've started watching it, and every time before it's got to that scene, I've turned it off. <laughs> so, okay, I'm so, thirty-eight now. I'm thirty-eight. <laughs> so I think we'll start wrapping up because we're approaching two hours here. Do you think ratings? Do you think we should have ratings, or should it be a case of that there should be no ratings, and it should be down to people to make their own individual opinions and feelings about watching a film? No, absolutely, absolutely not. I think I think ratings are there for a reason. I think that there are some 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 materials that people should be aware. You know, this is this is going to upset your kid. I mean. It was on the BBC website the other day. The most complained about movie of last year was Deadpool. Right. Okay. Which, Why? I'm intrigued. Uh, for, for, for the amount of swearing and the amount of violence. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I remember when um, uh, Kick-Ass yeah. Not for the amount of violence, not for the amount of um, gunplay. But because it was a young girl. Who said the word cunt. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you are really going to get that upset over that, I think you missed the point here, guys. Yeah, it's it's a comic book. It's it's a comic book movie. It's a work of fiction. Yeah. She's not taking it seriously. Neither should you. But I I, I do think that the the guy the rating system it is a guide. Uh, that should that should be followed certainly. Yeah. How about you? Um. I, I think we I think we do need to have it in this country. I really think we should. Um, you know, I know that you get to a certain age where it just doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Uh, I would personally like to. I would like to think that if I be ever if I ever become a parent, I would be very much liberal and say, well, you know, I will let my kids watch anything they want. You know, because I don't think they should be stopped. But in reality, I know that's probably not 
the best way to raise a child. I, I've said this to friends of mine who had who have kids. You know, um, it's we we as teenagers grew up from probably fourteen onwards wanting to watch these things. Be, you know, well, you, you're you're a parent, so you can answer me this question. Okay, you were fourteen. Why did yeah. you want to watch eighteen rated films? Um. Because it because, was dangerous. Because they were there. Yeah, because they were there. Because it was dangerous. Because it was a little bit edgy. Because it was the thing you were not meant to see. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, it was a little bit of, bit of forbidden fruit, I think. So it was... well, not even forbidden fruit. Because by that age, I was I was more than able. By that age, my dad had sent me to Blockbuster to buy a copy of Reservoir Dogs. Okay, but assuming he didn't. Okay, how how old's your stepson now? My stepson has just turned sixteen. Bloody hell. Okay. Would you be upset if he was going out and buying eighteen rated films on his own back? Would you would you be happy with him? You know, what are you okay with him effectively or or you buying them and effectively breaking the law? Where where do you stand no, on that? I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I have watched eighteen rated films with him. Mm-hmm. Um not it was last year I think we watched the thing together. Right. Which is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, mm. and I explained it to him going in. This was, you know, this was thirty years before the advent of of CGI or any kind of green screen effects. This is all all practical creature effects. Yeah. What you're seeing on screen is what the actors actually saw in real life. So to speak, and um, and he loved it. <laughs> for those effects, yeah. for the same re- for the same reason I loved it. I you know, I've spoken to him in in great depth about some of my favourite horror films, including the likes of American Werewolf in London, um, and sp- and told him why I love it. And again, it's one of those films that there is a scene that creeps me out still to this day, makes me jump. But it's what it's one of those films that I grew up watching. And I think it's, I think it's a great movie in more in many many ways. Great cast, great acting, great directing, and a great script. We'll ignore the sequel because the sequel is a pile of shite. Um, but at at this age now, I think he is mature enough. He's he's not a reader like me. I read voraciously. I I'll read a book a week. If I'm left to my own devices, um, so he's not a reader. He he likes a bit the visual medium, and he wants to get into photography. Oh, good for him! Which uh, you know, fully behind that. So he he prefers to watch the movie rather than read the book. Yeah, and I'll always support that because I think it yeah you know, it's an it is an important part of the arts. No, not everyone has to read. I don't think. It adds to my enjoy- if I read the book and then see the film, it adds to my enjoyment a lot of the time. Sometimes it takes away from it because I think, why have they left this out? But you're never going to get perfection with, with anything really. No. Unless Frank Darabont's directing, in which case, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we'll leave it there because, as I say, we have been going for a long time and much longer than I thought we would. Uh, when we started this thing, I thought we'd be talking about forty for about forty minutes, and 
frankly, we'd run out of things to say. So the fact you fall, fall. Um, the fact that we've managed to almost go two hours is kind of impressive. Um, so yeah, I think that's all left to be said. Is thank you once again for joining us on this one, Mike. It's been a really good discussion, I think, and I hope that people, if anyone's listened to this, I hope you've enjoyed what we had to say. And please, if you if you want to. Um... Let us, let us know your thoughts, opinions, if you can. Um, I'm currently working on, on building us a website. Oh, awesome. Uh, which I was going to discuss with you in brief about. <laughs> um, I kind of forgot, really. That's okay. Um, so, yeah, hopefully soon we'll, we'll have a, a flash new new website for you to, to, to go on to and enjoy. And, uh, and we'll, you'll be able to share your thoughts with us there. Excellent. Well, if you have enjoyed what you listen to, as I always say every week, please consider following us on SoundCloud and subscribing on iTunes. We are available to be found there. Um, also, please listen to the Iconochromatic website, hosted by me and my colleague Derek, uh, where we discuss more up-to-date films. We will be back in a few weeks. We've got a release coming up um, for... Uh, and I forgot the film we talked about. Oh, uh, yes. Um... Italian job, we review the Italian job. Sorry, guys, it's late. Uh, we will also be reviewing uh, 1941 and Chasing Amy very soon. And with that, I will say good night. Thank you for listening and goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Chris. Thanks nice. for having me. You have been listening to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which is a recorded podcast. The podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Mr. Windsor. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.